and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, which is the podcast from the guys at Guitar Show UK. And I am looking at my good friend Jason on screen. How are you, Jace? I'm really good, mate. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We're desperately trying to get this little intro done so we can both go and watch the last game of the Premier League. Yes, uh, not that it bothers either of us as we're no, both relegated. As we're but, both relegated. Know, and, and it's likely that we're going to have your manager as our new manager. It's looking that way, isn't it? It's mm. looking... so So... You've ended the season above us in two ways. <laughs> well, we shall see. Oh, no, no, it's a great choice. He's a fantastic, fantastic manager. And if, if you get him, you've done really well. Uh, and as we swan off into obscurity, you'll be bouncing straight back. But, you know, not that I'm bitter. Touch wood. Not Touch that I'm wood. bitter. Um, we've got a great interview this week. We, um, we managed to get to talk to Ginger Wildheart. Yeah, it's been a... It's been an ambition of mine to try and get Ginger to do one of my shows or something. I've been a massive fan since the day they started, really. Mm. Uh, I always thought he was the coolest member of the, the Choir Boys when he was in that. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my mates uh, a long time ago used to live with him. And so I used to get all of the sort of like Choir Boys and then Wild Hearts gossip sort of like straight away, really. Um, long, long before Kerrang! managed to publish it. So I've been a massive fan for 20... God... It's probably close to 30 years now, mm-hmm. isn't it? It will be. It will be. Mm. Well, Choir Boys is mid-80s. Yeah, all right. Uh, well, I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> just thought I'd mention it. It is mid-80s. Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, you know, in uh, in honour of that, we really ought to put the episode out at, at 7 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't on that single. No, better not then. <laughs> Let's, let's not bother then. Um, but no, great, great chat. And he was uh, he was in the room with Jane, his manager. Yep. And Maggie's dog. And Maggie's dog. Yes, it was uh, all three. And all three contributed. And all three did contribute. You'll hear bits of. You'll hear. You'll definitely hear from Jane. You'll absolutely hear from Maggie. So, uh, but it was a, it was a lovely chat. It was really nice, and it and it kind of sprawled. I mean, he's he's very, he's almost raconteur esque, isn't he? Yeah, and I I went to the um, Songs and Words tour that he did, which was like, uh, I mean, we talk about that he doesn't want to write an autobiography in the podcast, but actually it's kind of like an autobiography. Mm. But it was a brilliant sort of evening where he, you know, talked for a bit, played a bit, talked for a bit, played a bit, and and it was just fantastic. And the, the, it was um, Jace Edwards from Wolf Spain that backed him on, on that particular tour. Um He's a great talker, great stories. Mm. But then the Wild Hearts have always had many, many stories. Yeah. And, of course, there's a tie-in with the last podcast um, in terms of we're we're talking about the new band. Yeah, I mean, it was Neil, really. Um, Neil Oveson, who we did last podcast, who um, did the introduction for me and I think probably put in a good word. Mm. In fact, I think he, he Neil said to me it was... Um, it was the podcast with Paul Stanley that swayed it for him. Wow. Wow. It's a door opener. <laughs> it's a door opener. And it I was, keep, yes. And I keep cutting that story out of the interviews because you seem to be repeating it every time you get a chance. <laughs> I mean, you've got it yeah. back into this one now. 
I'm not going to say any more about Paul Stanley. <laughs> cool. So, so let's we'll we'll disappear off and we'll go straight into the interview um, with Ginger. Uh, I suppose before we go, we need to just say thank you again to our friends at Folksrite for everything they continue to do for us and continue to push the podcast and continue to sponsor and all those and all those things. Fantastic people, fantastic gear. So thanks everybody at Folksrite uh, yet again. Um, and we'll go straight into the um, we'll go straight into the interview. And I think you just literally asked the open question about the new about the new band, which is Ginger and the Sinners. Yeah, right. So Ginger, tell us about Gin- Ginger and the Sinners. Um, it is a band that um, was was just. I had a bunch of songs and I wanted to get a, an established band to get involved with and play in them, um, you know, like uh, uh, Bob Dylan did with the band. We yeah. thought we'd find a band of people. And uh, my guitar tech, Dunk, uh, said he'd just been working with the men they couldn't hang. And uh, the, the other guitar tech um, wanted me to have a CD and it was the Stone Mountain Sinners. And I, 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 was, I was still asking about before I even listened to the CD, which is terrible. I do apologise, Neil, if you are listening. Um, and as soon as I heard it, I just thought, what a great group. They can be the group. And uh, we came down and uh, we met in a studio in um, Wales. What's it called? Uh, Monkey. Monkey Studios, yeah. Um, in Wales. And they hadn't, we'd never even met, let alone played together. We just, you know, met up at the, at the studio that we would, we're going to play the songs, which is like not not a very orthodox way of doing it because the the chances of it being anticlimactic uh, are massive, and uh, it just it just so happens that uh, there was there was Neil and Nick from the group that really um, impressed me, and uh, and so we uh, we thought oh great let's do something again and we were, it wasn't until we mastered the songs and put them into the running order that they are on the album that we went. Holy shit! This actually is a great band, and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, a good part of my past was um, when people in the eighties were listening to the new wave of British heavy metal, uh, which which I hated. Um, I was I was born and checking out uh, bands like Lone Justice, The Long Riders, Jason and the Scorchers, um, you know, as anything kind of country and rock and roll based. Um, George and the satellites. Uh, 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 George satellites. Um, a little bit later, but um, I've always loved that sort of music. And uh, what I like about it is there's no frills. There's no real production job. It's just good recordings of each instrument and good people playing the instruments. Um, the likelihood of us having that without even meeting each other and talking about our record collections, you know, a billion to one. Mm. And it just so happened that it it sounds great, and the sound of the album is. Reminds me so much of those um, of those bands that I used to love in the early eighties. Um, so yeah, it's a. I know I just, I'm 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 quite a harsh critic when when I'm when I make uh, new records, and this one is probably one one of my favourite records I've made probably since Earth First the Wild Hearts was about 1992 93. Mm-hmm. So um, you know that's a don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good albums in the, in between those. <laughs> Two pointers, but uh, this is an outstanding yeah, album. It's, yeah. they're not, I can't normally listen to my stuff, let alone over and over and over again. We have uh, had it on a lot. <laughs> I just, and I don't get sick of hearing it. No. I never get sick of hearing it. Me, and Neil's got, you know, and Neil's been looking forever for a guitar player to play with, and just kind of, uh, you know, 
I admitted that I'm not going to find anyone. And then we we both played together, and we're like, "Is that you or me?" And we, it's it's hard to tell. Our styles are so complementary, and it's got that lovely weaving thing that the Stones always do, um, where you're not quite sure what, who's playing what. It just works as a whole. Yeah, I'm really, really, um, really impressed by it all. And you're recording the second album now, are you? Or are you just yeah. demoing stuff up for it? Ooh. Yeah, it's the end, end of June. We're booked in to record that. Yeah, and we're we're preempting a lot. We're 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 not only preempting that there is going to be a live scene this year or next year, but we're kind of jumping ahead of the fact that we that we're going to be popular in this new live scene. And because you know you, you, the worst thing in the world is to get a band who are really cooking and then take them off the road, stick them in a studio um, situation, and uh, and expect magic. You know, so it, the way the bands used to do it, like ACDC used to record two albums at a time so they could stay on the road. And once if one album clicked, then they, they could release the other one and not and not get off the not get off the bus, so to speak. So, you know, I'm hoping that the first one's going to do so well. We're going to need a really good second album. That's why we're recording it now. That's a fantastic idea. I'd not heard that ACDC story. That's uh... well, a lot of bands did, used to do it then. I mean, apart from the fact that they used to record uh, a lot quicker, um, they used to record a lot cheaper because they were great live bands. They go in, and like I say, just record everything sounding good, you know. So the actual recording of it, which is uh, done by a fellow called Dave Draper, is um, great recordings of great sounding instruments. Uh, and and they, it kind of makes its own own source at that point. You know, it, it kind of mixes itself because you know you're not trying to overdub anything. You don't want more more ingredients than you've got. Um, and yeah, yeah. So we're going to go in, in, in with him, do the second one in in June or July. End of June. End of June. Yeah. We're kind of writing for that now. It's almost written. And that's his. That's Dave's studio. That's in Eversham, is it? No, we're going back to Monkey Studios in South yeah. Wales, actually. Right, okay. Yeah, going back to where it all started. Where it all began, yeah. Janet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's quite unusual, isn't it? Because there's so many bands now, because obviously a lot of bands start off and record themselves and use, might use a computer and what have you. It's unusual to, to go into a room as a band and play and play a track and then not tinker with it that much. I mean, it's more the old-fashioned way of working, isn't it? It's It's really um difficult as well because you just you're so used to being able to go okay uh, that's okay let me do a different take mm-hmm. because you're recording it all live no one really wants to take their instrument out and, re- and put a new another take in there it's it's the sound of everything that's that's you know it there's there's not very many bands work like this mm-hmm. you know no. it's, it, and, and that's why you know, no. it's not if, if anyone makes a mistake, then obviously we'll repair the mistake. But as far as the take is concerned, you know, it all happened at the same time. And that's mm. that, that to me is I love those kind of bands because I'd go to see them live and they sounded exactly like the record, you know. Um, and uh, I guess it's, it's like a lot of I've seen a lot of rock bands that don't sound anything like the record, mm. let alone, you know, as good as. And uh, and so I've always, even from being with the choir boys, I guess, I've always liked the idea of being in a great live band. So there's no other way in the world that you would bother recording it apart from live. 
Yeah. Uh, the, the Quiet Boys weren't really as good as our band, but. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so as it's a guitar show podcast, what what gear are you using? I'm assuming that uh, it's not some of your more uh, metal guitars that I've seen you play over the years. Good lord, no. Um, no, it's uh, Telecasters. We're both both big fans of Telecasters, and uh, obviously, I don't get a, a, a lot of time. Uh, a lot of chance to play Telecaster with the Wild Hearts because it's all double humbucker music. Um, but um, I've just got this new Telecaster I've been admiring from afar for a long time. And uh, and uh, Neil went and set it up for me. And uh, it's just, it's great. You know, there's not there's not a lot of distortion. There's no, you know, there's no distortion or, or big power boosts or double humbuckers. Um, and it, this is the world he comes from because he not only... Is a guitar tech. He makes guitars. He does. It's over the moon that we've got two Telecasters playing because they, you know, you can't lie with a Telecaster. I mean, no. it's going to sound horrible if you can't play it. I you showed know. um, I showed Neil my guitar when we were on the podcast. Um, wow! Oh, wow! Let that. Let me just have a little. Whoa! That's amazing. That is great. I'm having him. Do exactly that for my. Yeah. Did he tell you? He did. Yes. Oh, that's gorgeous. Good look at the headstock. Oh, it's a new ones. Okay, wow. fantastic. Did you do that? Martin Sims at Sims oh. Custom did it for me. Ah. Um, is that, the, is that the guy that Neil knows? Uh, I did give Neil his details when we spoke to him the other day. Yeah, that, that, I think that's who's doing mine. Yeah. yeah so but, that. That leopard print um, was what Martin had got left after doing a guitar for Amy Winehouse. <laughs> so me and Amy Winehouse have got that leopard print. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. I'll be joining you soon. <laughs> it was one of those things that, uh, you know, being a Kiss fan, um, that was just the most amazing guitar I'd, I'd ever seen at that point. I mean, I, I love the Ibanez Iceman that he used to play as well. Mm. But that one, I just... I, Fell in love big time with that busy rich, and I've been looking for one age for ages. And then I just thought, well, why don't I just get one and put the the finish on it? Mm. And uh, and so Neil was telling me that you know the old Paisley Telecasters, they used mm. to use wallpaper for it. Yeah, Not even the paint job it's just wallpaper varnished on top of the guitar. And um, so that's that's what I'm getting done with mine. But it's a uh, got lovely looking thing, I think. They should BC Rich really should make those guitars in leopard skin. They should. They should. It's it's really weird because I've had I've had Iceman and I've had like the Washburn equivalents when he was endorsed by Washburn as well. And whenever I've put one on, I felt like a complete dick, if I'm perfectly honest. I remember going to rehearsal studio and it got big mirrors on the wall and stuff. And I just looked at myself and went, I cannot carry off this guitar. And yet they're playing black. I'm quite happy to wear a leopard print guitar. <laughs> Yeah, I think everyone needs to embrace their their inner Kiss fan. Yeah, completely. I saw that. Um, I was watching earlier. You interviewed Ace Freely, didn't you? It's on oh, YouTube. Yeah, it was back back when I used to drink too much. How how was that? Because I, you know, that's that's my ultimate goal to get Ace on the podcast. Really, it was awful. Um, good luck with that. I mean, I, <laughs> you know, just just. Awful, really awful. I just, it, I, I, sh- I should never have done it. I'm definitely not an interviewer, so my technique left a lot to be desired. 
And it's a guy who used to be on my wall for like, you know, most of my childhood. Um, yeah, it didn't go, didn't go well. I, I, I wish I'd just got a chance to just play guitar with him instead of doing a job someone else should do with him. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll keep trying. Mate, I think Ace has probably changed quite a bit in the last, what, 11, 12 years as well. He seems more together these days. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he said uh, they're all, they're all aging, <laughs> interestingly, Kiss. Uh, sorry, my dog won't let me uh, speak. Maggie, come here. It's Maggie Oi. attacking the post. Maggie, come here. It's all right, darling. Good girl, come on, then. bless her. <laughs> it's troublemaker. Yeah, I've always loved um, Border Collies. I've always loved the markings on Border Collies. And I've often wondered, was what came first, my love of Border Collies or my love of Kiss? Because they've got very similar markings. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be my makeup if I joined Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, baby. And she's got a bad Yeah, voice. that's her. That's her paw. Oh, it's all right, baby. She's the best tomorrow. It's okay. Bless her. <laughs> so, um, we probably should talk about the guitars then, because uh, you're using Hogstrom now. Is that right? Yeah. Well, Hogstrom have been great to me. Um, I've had a few endorsements, and they haven't all been great. All mm. the great guitars. Um, but uh, Hogstrom, uh, just the quality is amazing. You can go to a different country and just kind of borrow Hogstrom for my second guitar, and they're exactly the same, um, the same standard. Mm. Where you know, when I used to play Gibsons, I'd go to another country, so you're gonna Gonna hire a Gibson Les Paul, and it was just the biggest pile of dog shit you've ever played. Um, so I think actually, apart from there being like you know the Ed Elvis comeback special guitar, yeah, um, they just I, I just really trust them. I really trust their um, the workmanship, and they're very kind, and they they try and give me way more guitars than I need. Um, but. Um, that's that's a nice problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they just and they they're happy, you know. If I if someone plays my hagstrom and they love it, I'm like, well, if you mean it and you really want to uh, play hagstrom, I'll I'll do an introduction. And everyone that I've done that for, they send them guitars, you know, whether or not they're going to use that model, they're still happy to send guitars out. Um, so they're brilliant and and lovely, lovely people. Ah, cool. So, um, you know, you're you. Your probably your most famous guitar was the 25th anniversary Les Paul. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean that that's the one that I suppose is synonymous with the Wild Hearts. But my question is, you know, what was the first sticker on it? Um, it was probably up there where the um, the tone switches. Um, I, I had a load of, I, think I, I must have gotten from like Lauren, my, my niece. Oh, yeah. There's a load of uh, kind of, you know, these sort of, what are they called? The little kids design things with. Anyway, little things that, that <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> anyway, there was these little stickers that were like little jewels. And uh, and I covered the, um, round the area around the, um, the switch uh, with these little jewels. And then I think pretty much round about then, I, Got into Lee of Oswald or the Lee of Oswald band, and they that had that sticker went on there. But um, yeah, the, the jewels were the first sticker. I decided I was going to make it really nice looking, and then I just got bored, <laughs> just stuck with the shite on it. <laughs> so, did uh, was it kind of like a conscious decision to completely cover it and CJ to do the same with his as well? Or no, no not at all, not at all. It's the same with tattoos, you know, they just the, the idea was to get one. 
Yeah, I know. And, uh, so, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, CG is still... I mean, CG goes mental on his stickers now. He's got, like, there are about four or five layers deep his stickers now. And uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit sort of... Um, a little bit sparing with mine. Less is more. Less is sometimes more. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. not the case on that Les Paul. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The thing is, the, the, the best thing about because obviously you meet a lot of uh, cork sniffers in the guitar business, and uh, and they're just going, "How could you do that to a perfectly good guitar? Stick all them stickers. It's a disgrace." And you know, I used to I really when we were going through our first cruise, I, I used to offend guitar techs. Going like, look at that, perfectly good guitar, and uh, and the stickers made it, in fact, worth a lot more than it would have done if it didn't have stickers on, because it was more mm. iconic. So the fact that it went on to, you know, help in the Japanese tsunami appeal mm. was uh, because of the stickers. I can only imagine. Well, I think probably you playing it as well. Yeah, but I did have another, again the the quality uh, discrepancies with Gibson. Uh, I had we had a soundman called uh, Tom who bought me another another one or got found one for me and I bought it but it was another 25 50 anniversary and it was crap it was honestly just how two guitars the same kind of um the same standard or the same style be so different I remember uh, playing Don Donington download it was Donington then and uh, and it was just so crap this guitar. I, I, I threw it in the audience, and I was like, "You you go and form a band." And then I turned round, and they just ripped this thing into about four or five pieces. And I was just like, "I could have done that, you know." I could, it cost me a fucking fortune that. And insert on interview later on that day, someone brought the body, all bits missing off it, to, for me to sign. So it was like it was. Just, um, yeah, you know, things. That, but, you know, I've, I've never really been that attached to guitars, to be honest. I love that Les Paul, but I, I, I prefer what it went on to do. Mm. I'm happy yeah. about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can see that you've never really been that attached because, you know, I was having a quick Google of all of the stuff that you've played. And, you know, there's photos of you with the Les Paul, the Hogstrom, BC Rich. Uh, I think there's a couple of Paul Stanley signature models, a Silvertone. Um, Silvertone, yeah. You know, there's Telecaster, Schecter as well. It's it's just a tool that does a job, I assume. Yeah, um, and you know, if I, if I like, I, I wear guitars. You know, I, I'm, uh, there's ones that you take into the studio, obviously that are the um, the ones that stay in tune the best and sound the best. But I I like wearing guitars. I used to just see them as as accessories. Um, uh, which meant I, I've, I've played a lot of different ones. And so now I know which ones I actually do like, uh, mm. not just because of the shape. But then with BC Rich, I can allow a lot in a BC Rich just because they look so fucking good. Guitar players are so fucking snobby when they talk about <laughs> B- You won't accept that BC Rich are good guitars. Yeah, I, I, you know, I mean, for me, um, it was always about how how they looked I, I i can't understand why guitar shops don't have mirrors in them because i need to know whether it suits me when i put it on or not fucking hell mirrors can you imagine if they had mirrors you would they'd never get people out <laughs> their their biggest fear would have been putting mirrors in there so they got these kids who couldn't play anything just <laughs> hogging the mirror for the whole day yeah, it's I, I've never liked mirrors to be honest i i, I hate acoustic i hate them um, rehearsal places that have got mirrors mm. 
There's so many rehearsal places that we've been over the years. I'm just like, why would they do that? You know, it's like, I guess uh, some bands need them and some bands don't. <laughs> So I suppose uh, talking about your your other band, um, there's a new Wild Hearts album. You... Yeah, yeah, we've just finished that one. It's called Twenty First Century Love Songs, um, and it's great. It's it really is good. It, the the last album that we did was called uh, Renaissance Men, and it just reminded me of the first album. It just had the same energy and the same kind of, you know, just wanting to do great sounding songs. And then the Wild Hearts second album, PHUQ, we decided to seal the ball out, board out a bit and um, and do kind of songs with more than just a few changes in them. So so that's what we've done with this one. It, uh, it's got like, you know, none of the songs are really long, but they're very complex. Mm. And I guess it's just, you know, when we get bored of playing songs, we just decide to do, just play loads of riffs and call them songs. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when's the Wild Hearts album out? September the third, mm-hmm. I think. I think so, yeah. Something yeah. like that. September. Yeah. And we can't talk about that one. <laughs> well, we've finished that one. <laughs> well, actually, the other one's finished as well. Exactly. You just can't speak about it. But so by the time you hear Wild Arts album or the Ginger and Sinners album, we're going to be have finished another album. Probably be writing the third by then. Yeah. Probably writing the third by the time you hear the first one. Yeah. So what's the other album that isn't Wild Hearts or Sinners? There's a few albums that we that we were, we're keeping uh, the um, the commercial release there uh, for a bit for, for when we've got some time to to pay it the proper amount of yeah. attention. Yeah, and we just haven't got time, which is a lovely problem to have. But uh, we've got a lot of albums that we want to release, but um, we don't want to just put them all out, no. and you know we want to give them chance chance to shine. Really, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm assuming that the, we, you know, it, fingers crossed on everything. There'll be tours to back up. Both the Sinners and the Wild Hearts. Did just twisted. Well, I mean, we just you know, we just have the Sinners confirmed for two festivals this summer. Mm. So, you know, that's positive, I think. I don't know. It's it's hard to talk about gigs for me. Um, because it, this is the longest I've ever mm. went without playing. I think it, most musicians are probably saying the same. But I'm not very good with someone saying, Oh, it's this is gonna happen. No, it's not. Yeah. There it is. No, it's not. Um, and I've had that a few many, a few too many times with gigs and stuff. So I just, I'm, I'm just going on the fact that we're not going to be playing gigs for a while. And you believe it when you're on stage. And I believe it when I'm on stage. Yeah. Yeah. You might do the sound check. I'll believe it when it's actually happening. <laughs> yeah. So, so what have you been doing during this kind of like weird lockdowny, not lockdowny year? Um, well, writing, writing uh, new material. And we had the 30 year itch, the Wild Arts Live album come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. good. Uh, look, luckily, we had that ready to go before lockdown hits, luckily. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit of weird timing. Yeah. Um, but you've yeah. been away writing as well, haven't you? Yeah, well, I've been away, but, you know, I have got a couple of albums. I've got, it's probably even talking about it before we do it, but I've got one album written, one album mostly written, and another album I'm currently writing. So it was one of the questions, really. I was, um, I was reading uh, on your website earlier, it's about the heads of popping thing, and you said you'd written a lot of that when you were out walking Maggie. Mm-hmm. And how do, how does your, because you write so much, um, probably the most prolific person I've ever ever heard of, ever, <laughs> frankly. Um, how, 
when you're out, is it lyrics that come to you when you're out walking the dog, or is it? Can you hear, you know, that the whole song in your head, sort of thing when you're you're out? Um, it's a, it's a, well, it's a funny one. You get an idea, and there could be just a turn of phrase. Mm. Um, that's where my love of country kind of comes in handy because country songs are just an interesting um, rephrasing of, of popular cliches, really. Mm. Um, and so I get the idea and stick it on my phone, um, and then I kind of I can write the music in my head. So I'll record the music when it when it comes to other people needing to learn the song. What I can't really do is sit down and and demand lyrics. I can't. Mm. My brain doesn't work like that. So I tend to walk Maggie, take her on nice long walks, and or if I'm running as well, then um, I, I have tons of time to chew over different words and stuff, and it, it works brilliant for me. So yeah, I, I, I write lyrics mostly when I'm uh, walking Maggie. <laughs> okay, so you're stopping like every ten yards and typing something into your phone, or can you no, remember I, them all? No, I, I have a very old brain, but it still works. So it, it, it remembers things. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other things that kind of I think is really interesting about your career is the the whole success of Pledge. And I know that Pledge went sort of like to crap in the end. It was but... brilliant in the beginning, though. Yeah, it certainly was. Yeah. And, and did, it, did it make you kind of rethink your career and what was possible? Did really? What did what when it was good or when it turned to shit? No, no, no. When it when it was good because I mean the first the first release was just just insane, wasn't it? Mm. Well, the first that that album that triple album, which was the first pledge release, was uh, like a saying goodbye. I was going to give every. I I couldn't. We couldn't afford to make uh, music or or life. Just the money just wasn't coming in. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll just I'll say goodbye and I'll do a triple album of all these ideas I've got, like the ones that I just said, I'll stick things on my phone. And um, and, I, and I just thought, let's hope that there's enough people out there that'll, that'll make it us able to do this. And then it just went mental. And I realised that there's a, a lot more people like my stuff than, than I thought. Mm. Um, and... Uh, you know, it's, it, that resurrect no, it saved my career. Mm. Not even resurrected. It kind of it stopped me from getting a job. If I had already been putting the feelers out to like management companies and stuff, is is there anything that you want me to do? Um, I'll work for for peanuts, which is uh, <laughs> a bit more than the music industry sometimes pays. And uh, and and it it just it redefined everything, mm. you know. And then I realised, oh, there's a there's a market of for me of people that want me to continue to make music yeah um so because we do everything independently um we get to see that firsthand you know it's not it's not marketing teams you know trying to persuade us that they're incredible it's it the, the real boss is the fans mm-hmm. and so it might it maintains the quality uh, it gives us a good quality control because we like to give people quality mm-hmm. mainly so when they have complaints with other co- companies they come to us and go oh it's finally Nice to, a human, I can speak a to. A human, yeah. And Ram Records do give you humans, and we do spend a lot of time over packaging, and um, you know, we it, and that's all because of this pledge thing. It's all because of. Well, I think it's because we care as well. Yeah. You know, because you you know we are so grateful that so many people have supported us that you know we do want to give something back mm-hmm. when and when we can. Absolutely, 
Absolutely. And like you say, they're they're the boss. Mm. They'll tell us if we're doing okay. And so far, so good. I do think the success of the pledge as well um, kind of made the path for the gas online thing for us. Yeah, and it sounds the words, really. Yeah. Yeah. We've done a a few things that have just been direct to to the... um, Investors, director fan, yeah, yeah, director yeah. fan. I, I still feel bad calling people fans. It's, it's a bit. Has like, it has it redefined your kind of relationship with your fan base? Absolutely, so. yeah. absolutely. They, you know, I liked them before because they they shout loud when they come to see you, and it makes it makes singing easier. But um, they, you know, then they went on to put food on the table and and keep our little boy in clothes when he was shooting up. Um, they've become like, you know, extended family, really, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. it's what it's a, now. It's a community. It's, yeah. it's it's not they're not really fans, but there's a very positive community that look after themselves when we're not there. So the mm. whole thing is just like uh, there's a lovely phrase, paying it forward. Yeah, and everybody like, loves to pay it forward, and if they get a little bit, you know, on the bones of their ass one day, someone will, will help them out. And that's yeah. that's a kind of community that. You know, I always dreamed about when I was a kid. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I came to the Songs and Words um, gig in Birmingham at the uh, the oh, rep, the old rep, the old, yeah. rep. The old rep, and I love the old rep. I think it's a wonderful venue, yeah, and it just it, it suited it so well. And like, there was a real sense of like community spirit in the fan base. Didn't we drink the bar dry and that to go to the um, Indian restaurant next door and get more oh beer? God, yeah, in? that's true. Yes. Yes, oh, yeah. absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. It's sort of like uh, the break, and it was like we've run out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, that's that. very true. Yes, that's yeah, is, is there any plans for like songs and words too? I mean, the book is. I mean, it, it's a weighty tomb, isn't it? I mean, it's... well, I mean... the idea was to wait until we've got enough records to do part two. Now we've probably got too many. Yeah. But it's just such a labour of of love. But yeah. it's a it's a labour of love that you you need to put in a good year. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't think we could rule it out. But, yeah, but you know, at the minute busy, we're too busy. Now. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, the, those shows. I'd love to do those shows again. Yeah. I'd absolutely love to do the shows again. They were probably the most fun shows I've ever done. Yeah. yeah. And and there's and the, the, there's there's better stories in the second half, in the in a new one. You know, the first one was just learning about, oh, that's how you do it. And, you know, I, I like, I've always liked learning by my mistakes. So the first one was just tons and tons of mistakes. Uh, but the second one, trying to maintain that mm. in the face of, like, you know, ridiculous odds mm. is, would be a really nice book as well. I just yeah. I remember people probably wouldn't, wouldn't feel bad buying it now. I remember when we first put, put the idea together and said the book's going to be 40 quid. No, it was 35. 35. Yeah. And then when they got it and it was like a proper, really big, thick yeah. thing, they were like, wow, this is worth so much more than <laughs> And it is because it goes for hundreds now on, exactly. on eBay and stuff. And we won't do another reprint just oh, yeah. because it was a special, a really special thing we did that yeah. was limited to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's a good idea doing another one. Yeah, I think you should. I mean, I've got the... Um... What's it called? The Kiss. Oh, I can't. I can't see the side now. The the massive Kiss books um, that Tommy Thayer actually edited before he was in Kiss, and they're like two hundred and fifty dollars or something. But you know, yeah, 
It's um, there's a lot of that. We've we've done a lot of things that people have considered high end, uh, and then uh, you know when they refuse to buy one, and then they want one, and it's going for four times the price. It's a nice way to go. Like, look, we're not charging loads of money because we're cunts. We're charging a lot of money because it may, it costs a lot of money to make things of, of, of decent quality. Mm. And I remember the first week we had someone. I'm glad I can't remember the name, but we had someone uh, edit the book for us. I'm professional. Relieved you can't remember the name. Yeah. <laughs> professional. It was their job, and the first edit came back as just such a piece of crap, and it was using like photocopied pictures and you know. Seeing more than you know, one picture more than once in the book, and all like, no, 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 that you know, I grew up with kiss and stuff, I know what things are supposed to look like, they're supposed to be glossy and they're supposed to, you know, be, look expensive. And so, we, we went and I just ended up editing it myself and getting in touch with loads of photographers that we'd used in the past. Um, so yeah, we learned a lot from that. Yeah, it's, it's, we learn we learn a lot every everything that we do, really, yeah. don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. We just want to make it the best we can, really, yeah. don't we? Yeah. You know, that takes longer, but we'd rather keep people waiting a little bit longer to give them a better product. Yeah, in, the, in the end, it's better though. Mm. You know. Yeah. I think because I suppose a lot of what you've done it's the first time that it's ever really been done, isn't it? You know, I mean the. Mm. I remember the, the the pledge videos were, you know, I mean, they were dropping fairly regularly, weren't they? And those little sort of like studio updates. And I, were you in France with uh, Willie Dowling and stuff like that? It would have been. Yeah, we were. We went. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, it, and I'd never seen anything like that before. But of course, because you haven't seen anything like that before, there are no templates for it, are there? There's nothing you can go, well, we know this works. We'll do that. You're kind of making it up as you go along. Yeah, yeah. We're so, always kind of making it up. Know, <laughs> well, there's nothing more exciting. Yeah. You know, we, we, we really crave brand new things to do. So we really, we don't know what is a good or a bad job. We just know that we're going to try our best. Yeah. And, uh, you know, especially with having a, having a service like a label that people come to trust, you know, I think we'd all know if we were going to do, if we were doing something that was generic, mm, yeah. you know, that you'd get anywhere else. We like to think that we would, you know, we're, we're, it's the outside of your comfort zones where the magic is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I like to pitch me tent. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I, well, I suppose the, the only other thing I got was that you used to do these wonderful, like, ginger says things. Um, but you've not done those for quite a few years now. Are they going to no. come back? Well, it was the ginger says thing was was a fact that in nineteen ninety six or seven or something, a few people were talking about the internet, this internet thing, and I'm like, I, I've, I've no idea what it is, but you know, I knew a few um, people, te- technically smart, smarter than me, people. That um that said, you know, why don't you just do, write something and we'll put it up on this new wild arts page that we're doing. Um and I just, you know, I just you know, I've always been opinionated and I've always been enjoyed the process of writing. So we just went hand in hand. And then it was someone was talking about how there was like tons of there was like 20 or 30 of these things, which is again is another book. Mm, exactly, yeah. And then there was the form spring thing where that mm. went up three three years or something. Yeah. Um, and now we went to count of the, I decided I was going to try and cobble it together and, and make a, a new book with new answers. And, you know, I thought there might have been three or 4,000 
and there was something like 60-odd thousand question and answers. I'm like, ridiculous. So I think the, the moral of the story is just work and work hard. And, uh, you know, uh, we've always had a good work ethic when it, when it comes to that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's round records, by the way, not... Not the wild hearts. <laughs> the wild hearts aren't all work ethic kind of people. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I mean, the, the shows, the shows have always had a huge work ethic. I think. I think so as well. I think the shows are always really tight and really, you mm. know, yeah, you know, it's a, it's definitely a, a a good band vibe playing live, really yeah. with the wild hearts, definitely. Yeah, definitely. yeah. I think it was probably one of the last gigs that I saw pre-pandemic actually at the um digbeth institute uh, whatever it's called now o2 something in brum oh god i can't remember gigs i can't, you know I can't remember I, this is why i believe in uh telling only the truth because my memory is so shit i can't remember anything so i'd <laughs> be the world's worst liar if i had to remember things all the time. <laughs> I've no idea, but I reckon you're probably right. Yes, I think I probably am. I'm fairly certain it was around February last year. Wow, it was just before the. It um, was, yeah. yeah, 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 and then it all went to shit. But there we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, finally, I suppose you know, um, looking back on your career now, are you quite happy with what you've achieved? Um. I well, I say I don't look back on my career, you know. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure I ever will. I'm, I'm happy that I've got a job doing this. I'm happy that it, when I was a little kid, I used to go walk to school and back, and it was such a boring journey. I'd imagine a new album every day, and I'd have the cover and the and the title, and I'd sing the first side to myself going to school, and the second side when I came home making stuff up, you know, and uh, and. I think always I thought that was a, that would be a perfect job for me to do loads of different albums uh, and loads of different styles. And of course, record companies don't like that. They want one album every three years in exactly the same style as the last one. So going independent was was the best thing for me because I ended up with a job that I used to fantasize having. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't do that on a label. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're making this work on an independent level. Um well, it's given you freedom to kind of do as much as you want, hasn't it? Yeah. You do what you want. And learn in the process. So, yeah. You know, it's good. It, it's, but as a musician, things can get a little bit samey. You can have like kind of Groundhog Day if you're not scared, if you're not, if you're not careful rather. Um, and uh, and I've, I've, I've got such a low boredom threshold, I couldn't do the same thing anyway. Um, so I'm glad that I get to do this in the, in the kind of style that I want to do it. And uh, and also, it, the, the most important thing about the music, obviously, is it's Mental Health Week this week, as you probably know. Yeah. Is that when you're feeling a bit shit about yourself or about your, your predicament, and your guitar goes, come here, come here, give us a cuddle. <laughs> I pick up the guitar and I put all my feelings um, into a song. And then to know that, you know, however many months later you release it, and other people have went through a similar thing, and they've been comforted by the, that song. It's almost like, thank God I'm a miserable motherfucker, really. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's been great, the fact that I've got a job that helps me mm-hmm. and I'm doing something that helps other people. 
Is, uh, and something you've always wanted to do as well. And something I always wanted to do, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of... Um, I've had a lot of... Uh, funny enough, I've had a lot of people um, say that the way I want to do it wouldn't last. And one of those people was Gene Simmons. And I, I, I didn't even... I had no idea Gene Simmons even knew who I was. But a friend of mine was um, was interviewing him. Um, a guy called Phil Wilden was interviewing him. And he just went on this rant about me. And seeing that, you know, that the way Ginger, he didn't even know that this guy was my friend. And he went on this big rant about like, the way Ginger's doing it. That's not how the, the future of the music industry is going to be. And I'm like, what's fucking weird? You know what I mean? He's thinking about me. I'm not even thinking about him. Um, but not only was he completely wrong, obviously, mm. but he's, he's the one guy that's went on about the music industry of rock music being dead. And you're like, I think you, your ear's just too far away from the floor, Gene. You know, I, 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 keep in touch with people now and I have a lot of people sending me new bands and new recordings. Rock music is far from dead. If anything, I don't know whether I'm just getting more tapes or more, more links than, than usual, but rock music's in great hands. Yeah. yeah. It's thriving because rock bands are starting to be more independent. So rock, rock is dead. I think Gene probably meant rock music isn't earning me as much money as it used mm -hmm. to. And because I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not dictated uh, to buy money yeah. all money does is stop you worrying about money mm. and I like to not worry about money and just focus on the music so yeah it's a, I've got a pretty awesome life really and it feeds my family and pays for my dog's vet bills this week when we go and see what's wrong with the pretty leg mm -hmm. I still had a lot of respect for Paul Stanley um, the, the same way as I had respect for Keith Richards because it was a, a mystery they were still, the rest of them had all written books, but they were kind of like the cool one, not doing it. And then they both wrote books. And both their books were way more bitchy than I thought <laughs> they would be. I, I'd, I'd put them on this pedestal as being these like kind of, you know, Errol Flynn characters. And they weren't, they were just like kind of, you know, bitchy people with someone louder than them in the band, so they didn't do as many. Oh, darling. I know, she keeps so, wanting yeah. to give me a cuddle, but I she's... <laughs> um, so I, I, I wish... Paul Stanley and, and, and uh, Keith Richards hadn't wrote books. And there's put, they've put me off the idea of writing a biography. Um, but I think, you know, Kiss must be realising that it's hard for them to play now. They're, they're getting on a bit. It must be hard for you to even walk in them shoes, you know, yeah. when, you're, when you're 70. And Paul's voice isn't what it used to be. And, you know, Gene's no. not as fit as he used to be. So, yeah, I think it's, there comes a time where they've got to get a little bit more humble. Mm. than they used to be yeah i think yeah I've... definitely but i think that you know i kind of noticed that over the last couple of years with them that maybe they were it was funny you see the picture of keith richards behind me on the wall put your glasses on <laughs> yeah 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 brilliant and, and when i interviewed paul stanley he sort of popped up on zoom and i was proper cacking it i mean you know this was like my ultimate hero i'm going to sit down and have a chat with and he went Oh, is that Keith Richards? And I moved like this to show him the picture. And oh, a Marshall amp. And we were off then. And it was absolutely fine talking to him. Oh, nice. nice. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Paul Stanley. Well, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are both very, very smart blokes. Mm. You know, and I think smart people know it's not ever going to look good on you by just bitching about something or someone else. Um, so I'm, I'm sure that Paul Stanley re regrets writing a book. Way more than I. 
reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how, how insecure these people are. Mm. And uh, you know, there's one thing about being you know self-aware and you know different levels of mental health um, wellness or illness, but um, I don't know. I, people, it it doesn't look good on you bitching about someone else. It no, it doesn't. It looks all, no, no one looks good bitching about unless they're a really great uh, uh, stand-up comedian and they can make it work. Neither of which um, Keith Richards or Paul Stanley are. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard the Paul Stanley um, song? Uh, Let me get this off my chest. I think it's called. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's all of his quote. Is all of his? You know, he does them bizarre rants between. Yeah, yeah. And and there's a, well, there's a collection of them all, and they just they play like you know the, the first note of the song, then the end one, and then him again. It's supposed to be about like ninety minutes long. And it's hilarious, and that's what I like Paul Stanley to be. Just finding humor in things. I didn't realize how 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 serious he was until I read his book. Yeah, but I think that's probably a good point to um, end, don't mm. you, man? Yeah, absolutely. Conscious of not said a word so far, I've been absolutely enthralled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what you get when you get a Geordie on the phone. You just <laughs> like to stop talking. Well, thank you very very much for doing the podcast. It's really appreciated. Good thank luck you. with the sinners. Good luck with the new Wild Hearts album. I'm sure I'll see both tours when they happen. Will you will you come and tell us as soon as you can tell us? Absolutely. Oh, we'll, yes, yeah. we'll be we'll telling tell everybody. Everyone. Right. Well, can you tell us just five minutes before everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can. Right, Brilliant. Let's talk again. When's the single coming out? Uh, yes, dear. Possibly. Around, around that time, yes. Around about, possibly. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll bleep that out. I'll bleep that out. <laughs> no, we can, as soon as we can speak about it, we will be like shouting it from the rooftops, won't we? Because it is very exciting. Well, yeah. why don't you why don't you come on and tell us again? When 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 if if you fancy it and you're up for it, when you're ready, come and come and tell us all about it when you can. Well, me and Neil will get on with yeah, you. Yeah, you got. Oh, no, let's do that. And Neil we'll together. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's do that. Let's have a let's have a cinema special and. Uh, oh yeah, that would be a brilliant. Yeah, That's a date. Yes. Right. In fact, we could probably do that. Fingers crossed. Absolutely in person. Because you're kind of like, um, you rehearsed, or you used to rehearse in Birmingham, didn't you, at um, Madhouse? Madhouse. Raw. Yeah, we have yeah. done there. We have done there. We've got a new place on the go, though, haven't we? Yeah, where's uh, Eversham or Worcester Even. or somewhere? Yeah, well, I'm 12. We're, we're like that. <laughs> I'm 12 miles from Worcester, so we could oh, actually come God. down and set up some microphones and do it properly. Well, I'm sure the whole band would like to talk to you. Oh, no, that would be really good, actually. A Sinner's special would be amazing, I think. Right, let's do that. We'll, we'll oh, Leave that with us. You just just give us a couple of weeks' notice and leave it with us. We'll take care of the rest. Excellent. Great. All right, man. Pleasure right. talking to you. And you too. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Guys. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 